Swinton paying Hermosa finds the target. Swinton it was. There's a little short kick from Hodge. Who gets the bounce? It's there for Banks. He flicks it out the back door and a try on debut for Tom Wright. What a start, Australia. Continuing on from our previews of the Super Rugby sides, uh, with me is to discuss the Queensland Reds, one of Queensland Rugby's biggest voices of uh, support and reason in the game, a man who hosted Australia's most successful rugby podcast in Green and Gold Rugby, and the man who's most often turned to on Twitter when it comes to looking for an opinion on Reds Rugby. I'm talking about Reg Roberts, of course. How you doing, mate? Oh, great, Mitch. That's a, that's a nice intro there, mate. Blew me away a little bit. But yeah, thanks, mate. Thrilled to have a chat with another Reds fan. I um I was listening back to you know some of the green and gold because obviously that stopped just over a month ago. It was pretty crazy mm. to think you know eleven years of um, podcasting and over three hundred episodes. It's great to have that sort of commitment to Australian rugby because um, as we've seen, I guess you know Fox Rugby weren't super committed. There's not a whole lot of um, branding at the moment or you know popularization of the game of rugby. So it was great to have that sort of voice. Are you finding there's a bit more downtime now? Uh, the green and golds stopped or. Yeah, there is. I mean, I'm enjoying that. I, I, maybe I felt a bit um, pressured to keep that contact. I mean, I love rugby like you. I mean, and that was a great outlet for me. And I did want to keep sharing the message, but I've you know, I've got four kids and I'm getting older, closer to 50 now than, you know, back then I was probably down at two less kids and a, a bit younger when it all started. And um, times are so busy, mate. And, and, and I love the game as much as ever. Um, I just can't commit to that time. So that, this feels a nice little void for me, Mitch. So thanks for having me on. Very, very glad to because um, I was looking back through some of the Reds records and as part of looking at um, the preview for the team, I like looking at the previous season. They had a really interesting uh, season. So I'll, I'll cap off with just some of the major details and I'll begin to break it down with you because on the um, on the surface, they've won eight out of 17 games they played and that's including one draw. So it doesn't look spectacular. It doesn't look terrible, but obviously they had a lot of success with the Super Rugby AU where they made it to the final and lost pretty narrowly to the Brumbies. Um, just when we look at that record as a whole, was that eight wins from 17 games, is that about on par with how you thought the Reds were going to go in 2020 or a little worse or better than expected? Uh, it's a really good question. And it's hard, isn't it? Because it's a half and half season. That first half where I think we played, where, we, where it was the full Super Rugby, um, played seven lost two, oh, sorry, one, two, lost five. But geez, we did all right. We had a really tough start to the year. We we played away Brumbies and then jumped on that South Africa, South America tour and, and had a relatively close loss to the Lions and then a, a bigger loss against the Jags um, before coming home and 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 getting a couple of wins in our final four games. So, but I, I felt that we played well. I was quite impressed. I don't know if you remember that Crusaders game over there in Christchurch was a cracker and we really pushed them to the end. And then we really um, sort of clicked versus the Bulls, which ended up being our last game of that season. And I think it was, I actually think um, we were building quite well. I mean, you know, we ended up doing really well in the Super Rugby Australia version. But I think if the original Super Rugby season continued, we would have built quite nicely, whether we, whether we would have made the finals, depending on other things. I had another look at this, you know, sort of advance of this chat, mate. The biggest thing, and I don't know if you picked this up and I'm going to steal your thunder, is the home and away record. That's so, exactly what we were going to bring up. <laughs> I'm glad you're on yeah. it. Yeah, mate. So home, played eight, won seven, lost one. So that was against the Sharks we lost, which I vaguely remember being a pretty poor performance, but away played nine, won one and lost seven. And and in fact, the only away game we won was at the Gold Coast, which was a force home game. 
Um, so that's pretty dire, mate. You can't win titles if you can't win away from home. I think that was the thing that stood out because I was going through those results thinking, gee, at Suncorp, it was a bit of a fortress. Um, yeah. And the Sharks, that game we lost, I, I didn't actually mind that too much. There were a few games that I think we lost that I felt a little bit hard done by. That Sharks yeah. seemed like they were on track to be sort of the yeah. top two or three team in the um, Super Rugby Comp, I think actually finished the ladder on top. But I was doing the maths from Ballymore to Rabina, it's 86 kilometres. Um, from Perth, it's 4,400. So, uh, <laughs> Definitely much more of a home match for us um, and, and doesn't really uh, show too much in terms of what the force were capable of. I think that's no. in, in our preview of the force, which uh, we recorded last week. One of the things that stood out was they haven't had any home matches and their um, their stadium is actually a bit of a fortress themselves. Yeah. Also, I'm, I'm keen to see if borders open, if they can play there, that's going to really enhance their chances. Um, Cause it, I mean, they were made to trek all across, you know, the, the east side. It was a horror right. story for them last year, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. But, you know, you're right. When you bring up those um, first few games, I thought the uh, the close loss to Brumbies at Canberra, that was sort of one yeah. that got away. And I think, yeah. you know, Brumbies probably deserved to win, but just showed um, Reds were a young side and just need to be able to finish those games. But it was the um, Lions and Haguera's game where I just remembered all the controversy that came with the penalty counts. Like they were yes, the really... Right. Um, yeah. lopsided ones where they had the non-neutral referees and it was a massive talking point probably just before COVID sort of you know swept it under the rug but they were really interesting games where I think we were winning both games by around 20 or so points towards half time um, and the penalty count just in the last sort of half just really blew out so I, I think those sort of games and you know if Jock Campbell had kicked you know two or three of those conversions against Crusaders we're suddenly That's looking at right. a really good season I think um, that was a bit another bit of a turnaround, wasn't it, from that first half of the season? The Super Rugby was the the goal kicking. You know, yeah, Jock didn't kick in that first season, and I think, um, sorry, I mean Jock, uh, James O'Connor, and, and Jock Campbell was kicking and kicked pretty poorly. Although I think he kicked everyone against the Sunwolves when we didn't need to kick any of them. But um, yeah. some of those crucial games, he he missed a fair few, and then O'Connor took the boots back over sometime through that second half of the season and and kicked pretty well. The concern for me was we were rotating between O'Connor, Campbell and Hegarty because Hegarty was also yeah. a bit of a mixed bag where I think it might have been the 2019 season he finished with around an 80% goal kicking rate. But the one game that I really wanted him to kick them all was against the Tars where I think we only lost by oh, four points or something like that, but he missed five goals. So it was just, yeah. we had a bit of a tendency to miss some of the more important kicks or the games that, you know, were a bit closer, um, which yeah. I guess Reese Hodge carried into the Wallabies form, but um yes. <laughs> Plenty of missed opportunities, but I think something that um, speaking to Harry Wilson last week for the podcast as well, he said that's something that they've been practicing a lot. The goal kicking is looking a lot more solid. I think they'll have that sort of guaranteed kicker. And that um, was the theory last year, wasn't it? I mean, Sir Dave Aldred came in and worked with all those guys, and yeah. I think he changed a few um, techniques. And they reckon that sort of first year with the changed techniques a little bit challenging for them so hopefully you know those things are bedded in and, and come the start of this season everyone's feeling a lot more confident so um let's hope yeah and, and i think they've got reason to be confident as well if they've had this much time together and that's one of the things i want to look at with the squad is um obviously the squad was just finalized today so we're really making good um good process of the speed and delivery <laughs> but we um we, we have a look through the squad there's probably not too many players that are going to be contesting for starting spots straight away. And there's not mm. too many um, players that were starting last year that are going to be, um, that are on the way out. There's a few that stick out that I'm keen to get into, but out of the players leaving, 
David Feo, JP Smith, Ed Craig, Carter Gordon, Scott Malalua, Tom Kibble, Michael Wood, Jack Hardy, Sean Farrell, and Chris Alfio Isortia. They sort of had the list for the players leaving. Really, CFS comes as a bit of a, I guess, shock. He probably wasn't guaranteed a starting spot, but he's just been there for so long and is a really reliable outside center or wing when we've needed him to be. But I can't really go past JP Smith as the biggest loss. I just yeah. feel like we're really looking a bit weak uh, and lose yeah. that prop. It's probably the only position yeah. where I'm a little bit concerned about our depth. Is that looking pretty much the same for you, Rich? Yeah, I think so. I assume we've cut the ties on on Rodder and Hawkins and Lucas. I mean, they were, they were signed this time last year. They're pretty big losses. Yeah. And, and I, yeah, and I, as I flow on, I think our lock depth is pressed, pressured. But I, I'm a massive Smith Twin fan, and I, I think you're right in JP. I, I think they're great. Uh, I mean, we know they're fantastic scrummages. I think their ball carrying skills is very much underrated. You know, they've dropped the ball occasionally in the track, and but their turnover work on the at the ruck and the breakdown is elite. But they are also just great squad men. You know, they're, they're just popular blokes, great characters. Um, you know, so they're off to LA to, to hit Hollywood and the the yeah. rugby team over there, the guillotines. But yeah, mate, I think that's a great call. I, I um, uh, that's the loss. I, one thing I'll back is is I think that Thorne and, and I guess Lilycrap have really uh, done some great work in bringing through young props. So Dane Zander and, and um, uh, Fatakui um, uh, came from nowhere, both of them, and have been sensational. I'm a huge Zander fan. I didn't know much about him. You know, obviously NRC a little bit, but gosh, he stepped up last year. And and for such a big unit, um, he adapted to Super Rugby scrums well. And and in fact, his work rate around the field, his, his, his tackle stats were, were awesome. So um, I think you're right from a depth perspective, and you always need depth in those in that front row. Um, and then when you, we lose someone like Reese Van Neck to the to the Rebels, who's um, you know was a standout for the East Tigers this year, that's a loss. But um, if nothing else, I've got confidence in in that particular coaching structure. Lily Crapper Thorne to bring those those props through. That was one of the issues I wanted to get into a little bit. Was I, I found it surprising that um, West really dominated the players brought in, and to their credit, there's a lot of great players there. But I thought East Rugby having you know won the final 33-18, had been a really dominant um, premiership side, but also like a dominant club with six from six wins that they are participated in the finals. I was surprised to not see players like George Francis probably brought into the Red squad. Like he's a really big um, scrummaging option, ball-carrying option at the loose head prop there. Um, and then to see Van Neck go to Rebels, I, I didn't think that was the greatest player retention, especially in a position we kind yeah. of needed. Um, but yeah. It's you're right. We've got a great um, coaching setup there, so the I trust that they're bringing in the players that they see a lot of potential in. Um, yeah, you don't uh, just on those two. I get I agree with Van Neck, and I think that'll come down to a game time. I think he'll see himself as getting more game time down at Melbourne. George Francis, I don't know, mate. I haven't heard where he is, or if he just doesn't have a contract, if he's off to the states or something. Because I agree, he's fantastic. He got that sort of. A, a, a bit of recognition by playing for whatever that Australia Barbarians team was against yeah. Argentina last year as well. So he's obviously got someone's eye on him. Um, I, I think he's, he was exceptional for him. So, yeah, I, I was surprised he wasn't there, um, to be honest. But I guess uh, one of the players that did probably take his spot in the end um, at joining the list of players that we've brought in. So Matt Fassler from uh, West joins uh, Ryan Smith, Matt Greeley, Josh Fluke, uh, who was those who were already part of a squad yep. before um Suliasi Vunavalu probably the biggest um get but they yep. join uh Ben Grant Sam Wallace Lawson and Hudson Crichton uh Kalani Thomas Isaac Henry and Illy Undras uh 
is it Indrasesi? Uh, another yeah, West I think so. player. That's it. Yep. Um, so yeah. a lot of exciting young talent coming in. Is it a player besides Benvalo? I guess it sticks out as a, a really exciting option. Yeah, Vunavala is, is the obvious one. The rest all through the system is, is fantastic. And um, look, in terms of excitement, uh, there's a few. You know, Matt Grealy's got all the, the wraps on him and, and, and I've got, I watched a bit of him at Schoolboys and he's electric and he looked very, very comfortable in Premier Grade rugby last year. Um, still very young and, I, and, you know, I hope there's not a bubble. I hope these guys get to play Premier Rugby um, during the season. Obviously, they were held back last year and, you know, it would have been great for these um, guys to play full season of Premier Rugby. Uh, Isaac Henry's an interesting one. You know, I think it was down the Brumbies last year, but another of these young West lads, super boot, fantastic kicker. Um, I don't think he'll get much super rugby time, but, you know, I think Thorne doesn't hold back in picking these guys. He doesn't necessarily stick to reputation. So I'm thrilled he's in the team. But the, the guy, and again, we've got such great depth in the back row, but I'm thrilled for Sam Wallace. He's someone that over the last few years, um, through his time with NRC and the new Q, um, who I've just been super impressed with as a player. He's, he seems to have a real mature head on his shoulder. He makes a great sort of impact whenever he's on the field. Um, and I think a year of... You know, despite what I just said about playing time, I think a year or at least a season in the professional footy structure last year will help him immensely. Um, whether he gets a chance behind, you know, the Wrights, McWrights, Scott Youngs, Wilsons, all that sort of stuff, we'll see. Um, but uh, he, he's a good player. I, I, I guess I should say, sorry, Mitch, is um, Luca and Salako Loco is obviously going to be suspended for two games, the first two games of the season. So we're going to need a lock. So you've got... Um, Big Ryan Smith from Brothers and uh, Ben Grant, who's, uh, you know, Townsville boy, spent a bit of time at the force and stuff. So um, I think Grant's a monster, 204 centimetres and 120 kilograms or something like that. Yeah. So, you know, it'd be interesting to see who they go with there, whether they, you know, they, Angus Scott Young played a bit of lock um, uh, second row last year. Um, Siru Iru from the Tigers packed down a lot at lock for the Tigers. And I reckon that's an exciting proposition. Um, as at least a backup lock. So I think um, I, I've managed to name just about everyone uh, who's new to the team there. But yeah, they all excitement in different ways, mate. Legit, and and, and it, it's great. It's it's great for rugby that we're seeing these young guys come through, and, and particularly through the system. I think um, it's a great point there, touch on with especially Sam Wallace. I know yeah. the Reds have had a really big track record of bringing in um, great back rowers, and unfortunately, there's mm -hmm. such a log jam in that position that you know players like. Um, you know, Michael Gunn is a great example, but yeah. um, who was as well? Reese Hewitt, you know, these players that come in yeah. that have these awesome um, Prem rugby seasons and you think, oh, these guys are really going to, you know, blow it out of the park, but there's just such a, you know, logjam of great players at the Reds back row um, and all Wallabies back row, potentially, if they want to name that, like it's, it's a really impressive um, area for the Reds this year. So I'm, I'm keen to see if he does get game time. Um, and it's a great point about the locks on, I'm a little bit annoyed about the Salako Lotus suspension because it was a really needless thing. It was an average tackle in yeah. that game. And it just really does set back um, the Reds a fair bit because he was a standout for them. Um, and I'm keen to see Uru if he does get a chance there just because I think at the start of 2020, he was bracketed with Wilson as, you know, who could get the game time. It wasn't really clear cut that Wilson was the better player at that point. So yep. whether he does get a bit of game time in there and we can see what he delivers, I think. He only got one or two games, maybe at the start of the year in the tour, but yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. But it's um, it, but it's he was he was fantastic in the lineup for the Tigers and stuff. So he's yeah. he's a quality player, and he you know, 
at a pinch, he could fill that fill that lock position. It'll be interesting. It's um it's good we bring that up now because I'm keen to get into I guess what their best team at the moment could look like. And this is something that I've seen a lot of people discussing on um, Twitter. I've, few conversations I've seen yeah, yourself tagged in as well. Just, I think the number of players that were introduced to the Wallabies this year has changed a lot of people's mm. perspectives on how they want their back line to look and potentially yeah. how yeah. the forwards move around. So I'm keen to get perspective on this because there's about five different um, possible back lines that I've seen named already just on um, who fits the best role and getting the best players on the field. Um, I think the starting pack, if everyone's available, is pretty um, straightforward. I've, I've got Hoopit, uh, Pangaramosa, Tupo, Salakai Lodo, Lyth, Wright, McWright, and Wilson as a starting pack. Is, is there many changes yeah, yeah. you'd be making? That, that's bang on. As I said before, I'm a Dane Zander fan, so I would be, you know, I, I'd have him bracketed with Hoopit. I'd probably at, the, at least to start get him to get him. I'll have him starting. Who knows what the off season is? Exciting to see. I don't know if you follow the guys on socials. Uh, Tupo seems to be training his butt off in the off season. I think he always, you know, you know, runs a risk of putting on a bit, bit of tongue and muscle when he goes back home. But he seems to have been working really hard um, in the gym and stuff and looks super fit. But the same with Alex Murphy. Um, I, I think Pango Mosa will start. But I'm a big fan of Murphy. He was off his game last year, but I've seen a bit of him and he looks to have been... You know, it looks pretty fit as well. But yeah, I, I think what you'd say, I'd start happy with that pack, whether it's Hooper, whether it's Sander, but the rest of the pack speaks for itself, I think. It is a bit funny with uh, Murphy because obviously Pangramosa had a great 2018, sort of dropped off yep. the radar and Murphy took his spot 2019, then sort yep. of role reversal this year. Um, I'm not really sure if that was down to injuries or just form at training, but one of the things that um, stuck out the most in my chat to Harry Wilson was he was saying that Murphy is the fastest forward in their squad, faster than all the back really? rollers. The only player that gets close, he reckons, is uh, Fraser McWright, which I thought really stood out because I've seen him over 10 metres. He looks pretty explosive. But um, yeah. that kind of speed, I mean, whether they you know, prefer having that off the bench just as a little bit of spark. Yeah. I'm keen to see that battle for hooker. I think that's... Um, but uh, I guess the big thing there, as we saw in Australian rugby, and it was definitely evident in Queensland rugby and most of the super rugby teams, bloody hell, whoever learns to throw the line at ball has, <laughs> has, has the spot, doesn't they? Because that's... Yeah. That's, that was just like some sort of terminal disease amongst us last year for us. It's still, I think, both at Red level and Wallabies level, the least decided position. And I know people are saying, yeah. I know it's, it's great depth. We've got, you know, four options there that could all start. And while it's true that they could all start, none of them are performing above a six or seven out of 10, really, on a yeah. consistent level. Yeah. They're all about the same level, but none are the Cody Taylor or Dane exactly. Coles or, you know, Montoya yeah. level. So, yeah, that, that'll definitely be the big position to see who um, breaks out in 2021. I'm actually expecting pretty big yeah. things from Tom Horden, if he can keep Parecki out. Yeah, but... I, I agree, mate. I reckon he could be a bit of a, 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 a rough, a dark horse for the, the hooker spot. I can't believe we are uh, complimenting Waratahs players in this Reds preview. <laughs> I think it, isn't it? We've got to do one per, game, per yeah, that, podcast. Just to keep the, uh, the standard set. Um, look, I'm glad we agree pretty much on the forward pack. The yep. back line is where I think we might end up yeah, okay. Um, Give me your team. What do you reckon? Only because I've gone for um, McDermott and Jock, who are pretty, I think, self-explanatory. Yep. And then yep. um, I've gone for Paisami and Patea in the centres. Yeah. Only because they're Wallabies combination, which would leave room for yep. Bernabalu and Dalgunu on the wings and Jock Campbell at fullback. So you're getting yep. six out of seven of them who were in the Wallabies squad uh, at the end of last year, which is uh, pretty handy. But... Obviously, there's a lot of contention around who plays inside centre and, you know, can 
plus Army and Patea start at the same time. So how do you see their back line shaping up? Or what would you like to see now from the Reds? Well, all right. So there's two questions there, isn't it? What, what, what do I think will line up and what I'd like to see? And I, I completely, 100% see the sense in Pasami Pattaya. And Pasami was awesome for the Wallabies last year. And, and what a great story he is. It doesn't change the fact that I would still pick Hamish Stewart at 12. Um, now, if you've listened to me in the past or read about me, you can see I, I do sometimes have my um, parochialisms get in the way of selections. I, I try to be quite uh, impartial, but I, I just think Hamish Stewart, I watched him closely last year and I know he didn't make the Wallaby squad and I heard um, the coaches say there's a few things they wanted him to, to work on, but geez, he was impressive. And we know about his work rate and tight. He loves to tackle. He's good over the ball and stuff, but just some of his ball and his kicking games improved. He, I thought he read the game well, but some of his ball work, he put the boys away into gaps so often. And, and in fact, Prasami was one of the beneficiaries. And he just seems like one of those guys that is a bit of a glue in that team. Prasami's, um, a real bull and makes meters and all that sort of stuff. And I think his game came along a lot for the Wallabies, but uh, Stuart to me just seems like such a, you know, just such an important part of a team that's going to be so brilliant. You know, sorry, we get ahead of ourselves, but that back line has got brilliance through it, doesn't it? It's just yeah. this individual talent. And, and Stuart just, sometimes you just need the right guy there to bring it all together. And I'm, I just feel Hamish's game has, has developed to the extent that, um, he, he can be that person. And I guess what that allows you to do if you do pick him at 12. And, and there's options here. You can chuck Pasami at 13, Pattaya at fullback, where he played at school. I've heard some people talk about that. Now, that, that's that got a lot of intrigue. I think that's probably lower on the chances of happening. But, geez, Australian rugby needs a quality fullback. Um, if Pattaya, he's a brilliant player, he's going to be brilliant wherever he is, um, does that suit his game more than 13, where perhaps he overplays his game a little bit more? Um, but regardless, maybe I would have Basami on the bench. And I just think he played that role for both for the Wallabies and the Reds last year so effectively. And I just think that's, I don't think we'll ever have a full strength team, but if we had a full strength team, Pasami coming off the bench and just pounding people from about the, um, you know, 60, 55 minute mark would be pretty fun to see. I think that's probably one of the things that Brad Thorne's thinking of is he's probably only expecting three or four games from Patea before the inevitable injury again. Yeah. I mean, it's a bit of a glass cannon, unfortunately. So whether he, um, you know, does get a bit of game time because of those again, the Patea at fullback one's the interesting one. And I guess I'm glad you mentioned it because it's something I wanted to float by after having seen it a few times mentioned on Twitter. Um, it does seem like a typical Australian thing of trying to move too many chess pieces just in getting the best players on the field which doesn't yep. always um, benefit or at least hasn't benefited the Wallabies super recently. So yep. I, I actually don't mind the whole idea of Stuart starting at 12 and having to make the tough call on benching Patea or Paisami. Mm. Um, obviously more likely Paisami at the point because looking back through the season, I think my favourite Reds game or the performance I was most impressed with was the 19-3 um, to 3 win over the Rebels. Yep, I, I just agree. thought yep. that really showed... Um, a team that can win without possession, that can defend well mm. and can capitalise on attacking opportunities. And looking at the game, Stewart scored one of the tries. I think he made 15 from 15 tackles, um, mm. affected a pilfer. Like, it's nearly like having another flanker in the back mm. line, but he's got the skills of a fly half. It's this really nice combination that um, I think because he wasn't in the Wallabies squad, I was pretty quick to try and just do whatever I could to help the Wallabies by naming Pasami mm. at 12. Yeah, but yeah. He's um oh, he's definitely not an option I'd be upset to see in that uh, 12 jersey. The thing that, I guess, as I was looking at the team, the, the question marks that I got were 
before the squad came out, I had the 23 jersey as Hardy or CFS, pretty much whoever was in better form. And now yep. I guess it's changed to pretty much Greeley or Fluke. Um, my, oh, yeah, oh, sorry. Um, my concern now is really, as you've said, like they've got great wraps, but it's a bit of a Aussie curse nearly to say that, you know, this is the next Horan or the next yeah. Conrad yeah. Smith or next Kalen Ponga, all these, you know, freak players that they're getting compared to when they're, you know, 18 and 19. Um, do you think there's a strong chance they're going to be getting a lot of game time? I mean, you'd think off the bench, but is, is one better than the other yet in your view? Uh, I don't know, mate. It's versatility. I mean, Greeley seems a fullback. I know I played a fair bit of wing and prems. Um, I thought Fluke looked like, you know, like it could cover wing as well, but by all reports, he's a 13 and 13 best. I'm excited by them both. Mate, on the bench, I'd have Basami. I'd have Bryce Hegarty. Um, I just think, you know, he can cover your fullback spot or your fly half spot. You've got Basami covering the centers. Um, and then, you know, Jock Campbell or whoever Pattaya goes to the wing as needed. Um, but um, yeah, I think Greeley's the most exciting. But Fluke, gosh, they rave about him, doesn't he? He got cold of the year two years ago, or under 19 plaque of the year. He was captain of the uh, Aussie schools and maybe one of the other underage teams. But he's highly regarded. I've heard some, I've probably heard more than no people, and I know uh, Garrick Morgan's come out recently about Mac, but more than no people rave about Fluke at his maturity, his head, yeah. as much as anything. Uh, uh, more than Mac. Mac's got the individual brilliance, but they, you know, think of, um, you know, an Andrew Slacker, or, you know, I think it was described the other day as a Conrad Smith, just that, just a smart player. And I think that's what Fluke is. Um, but who knows, mate? Pasami and Pataya have both had spent their time on the side of the field. We we might be calling on Fluke again. Yeah. It, I, I guess I'm just concerned because I think um, Pataya was sort of a bit of his freakishness in 2019, like he got the early call up to the World Cup squad and looked really yeah. good against England in that uh, quarterfinal. But then he's had this um, weight of expectation on him for so long. I think he nearly got progressively worse throughout the Wallabies test matches just as he got a little bit yeah. um, concerned or panicked as to what to do because everyone's saying, hey, here's our next great saviour. Here's our um, player that's going to, you know, replace Balao or Karevi or whoever we need in that back yeah. line. Uh, and it was just sort of like the the mindless grubbers, the risky offloads, yeah. and all that sort of stuff. Poor so, making, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm keen to see. I guess um, what I'm hoping is this amalgamation of the Wallabies and Super Rugby style of play, where they try and limit the you know flashy offloads and all that too much. Because looking at the players they've got, like McDermott, Davgunu, and Wilson, they're really renowned for that sort of um, yeah. playing loose and just you know keeping the ball alive at whatever cost. Now that they've all had a bit of Wallabies exposure, I'm, I'm keen to see if that changes all that much or if they're still a pretty free, uh, free-flowing team because uh, that's worked in the Reds' favour before. Um, but I, I think you know they're still going to be competing against the Brumbies as the team to beat, and that free-flowing play doesn't always work against such a defensively sound team. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting, and that's that's one of the fascinating aspects to this season, isn't it? In terms of, you know, the two halves of it, we 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 play the full Super Rugby AU, and we can look as good as we can there. And I think the offloading game will work there. It worked last year and so on. But then we take on the Kiwis and have five tough games against the Kiwis, um, and that'll be, you know, that's a whole new level of rugby. So it, it's a fascinating season for them. I, I enjoyed the offload focus they did last year. You know, guys like Wilson, who's just I'm a massive fan of, um, but he does push it, doesn't he? You know, he's got the skills. He does the round the back stuff, but you know, 
sometimes I, I prefer those types of players, the David Campeses and the like, who who just like to try things. Um, doesn't win your test matches, unfortunately, um, but um, uh, it's good fun to watch. I guess it's also just getting the right balance of those players that are doing those things. Yeah. Um, from from all accounts, um, Vinavalu's going to be a little bit uh, safer than Dalgunu from what I've seen in the training so far. Like he still <laughs> loves an offload, but uh, yep. Dalgunu is, um, you know, he's going to risk it all. And a lot of the time when it pays off, it looks spectacular. But uh, I think as we saw with um, him eventually being replaced by Tom Wright and the Wallabies, yeah. it is uh, a little bit of a risky play. I want to segue that into one of the questions that I saw float around on Twitter and something I'm pretty interested in just because I don't think we'll be able to get an answer immediately until we see them play. But I'm wondering, do you think it's going to be better for the Reds this year that their whole team made that Super Rugby AU final or that they had seven new players make the Wallabies this year and you know get that exposure? Do you see one as being a bigger influence on their season this year? Uh, look, I... Um... I think the Wallaby selection was huge. I, I think the experience of the likes of, because that's a good Wallaby setup they've got there now. I mean, you know, from the coaches, assistant coaches, all that sort of stuff, and in camp so hard. I, I think that's fantastic. And I think despite they didn't get minutes or many minutes, the likes, what it would have done for the likes of McWright and McDermott um, and, and, you know, the other guys, I guess, Basami and, and those guys were there. I, I think that will that will just raise their their standard, their, their expectations, their knowledge, uh, um, their standard, their work ethic, all that sort of stuff. But then you got guys like Blythe and and Stewart, who I would have made a pretty, I thought made a pretty strong case for their selection in that squad, who missed out, who um, who didn't make it, and and what it does to their game. Even Jock Gamble um, yeah. was one of the better performing fullbacks last year. I I, I think that's significant. Um, the, the, you know that number getting in that that Wallaby squad but I think more importantly is that is they're back and they're all with the Reds it's that you know um cohesion factor that Benny Darwin talks about it's 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 the same looking team as last year which is fantastic and 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 when have we had that before you know we've lost key players and like you say our biggest loss is is probably the Smith twins who were sort of back up as much as anything um for way I saw who again was back up and we've got some good depth there um and I would chuck in Carter Gordon, but he, he didn't feature last year. But um, it's it's really exciting to see that, that continuity of selection and the options we've got there. Oh, I'm glad that um, even without prompting, you mentioned cohesion, because I think we've kept the streak alive for about five podcasts in a row of just mentioning every time. <laughs> I mean, um, ben Darwin should get some sort of payment every time cohesion is it, talked it about. In his royalties. But the, the poor bloke, he was saying on Twitter the other day that he's getting sick of it. He's like, Gee, I think I um, made it sound too impressive or too vital to a team like it's great <laughs> to have it out there but um yeah people are throwing it around every sentence so um, yeah, yeah. it's definitely one of the positives for the reds and i think um i was trying to weigh up how i thought they'd finish this year and i'm keen to see your thoughts but i think for me with the only real weakness being that loose head uh, position i think their players individually probably had the most growth just from having that full season um having the Wallabies experience, I'm actually tipping them to finish first. And I'm trying to make that sound as least biased as I can, just as a Reds yeah. fan. But I think it was always going to be a bit of a two horse race this year between them and the Brumbies. I don't want to discount yeah. um, the Rebels or Force. I do want to discount the Tars. But <laughs> I think in that two horse race, um, yeah, there just seems to be a little bit 
more stability with that um, starting team remaining unchanged and a little bit more, um, I guess, growth from those players. So are, are you in a similar boat as seeing a clear top two? And would you have them? Yeah. I, I think you're right. They're clear top two. I, I agree the Waratahs can be discounted, although I think what they're doing is they're copying the Reds. I think, you know, they've lost a lot of players, but they're bringing those young guys in, the Bells, the Harrisons, um, uh, the Will Harris, all those sorts of guys, Tom Horden. And if they can keep those guys together, they'll be in a position like the Reds are. Um, Rebels, yeah, I, I just don't think organisationally they work and the force have a lot of good names um, and will challenge, uh, but the challenge will be how they click together. So yes, Brumbies, Reds. Yeah, that's an interesting point. I, I sort of said second behind the Brumbies only because the Brumbies are who they are. You know, that, that bloody, what you know, I talk about the culture at the Rebels, that it's the complete opposite at the Brumbies and they just managed to, to bring these people through. But if you looked at a, from a playing perspective, um, where they are and, 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 uh, you know, there's a few losses there that could challenge them. You know, uh, Tavita Kurandrani is a big loss. Despite questions over his form, he's still a he's a Brumby go-to. A, a big fan of Len um, Ikatea, who will probably, I'd suggest, come straight into 13. But he doesn't have the presence of TK and nor the experience. Um, uh, I think uh, their back row depth, uh, you know, they lost Will Miller, who was such a, you know, real tough on-baller for them. Um and they'll be going through what Jerome Brown or or maybe um, uh, Tom Cusack or someone like that. Again, I, I just not the you know Will Miller is just a the archetypal seven on the baller. So look, and even at lock, you know they, they've got uh, uh, Darcy Swain and they've got some really good young talent. Darcy Swain, Kate Neville, who I'm a big fan of, but you know without the presence there. So I, I think you're right. I think we've got the team to beat them, um, but. We haven't beaten them there for a while. I think last year, those two close losses um, where we played well, the final in that first game, um, hopefully had the motivation. So, yeah, mate, I'm happy to jump on your level of confidence there and say we can we can top them. But, yeah, I think it's clearly those two. Yeah. You're right to bring up um, Miller and Kundrani. They're, they're the two big losses, I think, just in terms of the starting players. And I think because they probably were the, the better 13 and 7 option, respectively, um, Yeah, I, I think that does look a little bit of a bigger loss in comparison to the Reds. But um, one of the things that I think stood out the most for me was last year I was really comparing the benches and the Brumbies bench yeah, okay, for reason yeah. just looked so much more dominant that I thought even if we had a you know five to ten point lead, um, they had the kind of bench that could come on and probably take that back. Um, they still got Scott CEO, they've still got um, players like Pasatoro Kunzel, whoever they choose to put at 22 and Muirhead's yeah. um, a real talent as well. But I think their best bench player was Lockie McCaffrey, who, or, you know. Ah, that's the other one. I knew there was another back row, of course, yeah. And, like, to the point that he was sometimes starting at six or eight ahead of Valentini or Simon, who were Wallabies players. Like, he was a really just workman-like um, player that probably struggled a bit of game time just because he covered a six, seven, eight role. He could do a little bit of everything. Um, yeah. He was just such a freak to come on. So I think th- those three losses probably just have me a little bit more confident with the Reds and a than I was last year. And given how close it was last year, uh, I'm really keen to see the game. And I think if we can get the final at Suncorp, then it's, um, it's looking yeah. very promising. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, that's a, that's a good call, that depth. And even guys like, you know, Joey Powell going down to the Rebels. And I know they've got Nick White, but it just, it does impact their depth there. And, and Tony Pulu, um, 
yeah. uh, off to the fore. So yeah, they, 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 they've been challenged depth wise. Where you know we haven't necessarily done that. Our, our squad still seems like a pretty strong twenty three. If we can get that twenty three on the field, just need to see how uh, Greeley goes compared to his um his similarities or the comparisons that have been made. But if he does even half yeah. of that, I'm I'm really looking forward to how the Reds look this season with a a, a pretty pretty consistent looking side compared to last year. So, Reg, thanks very much for coming on yeah. to the Reds. Um, it, it's great to have someone that's obviously as informed and um, as as keen a Reds fan as you are to chat about them. And I'm really looking forward to seeing how they go in 2021. Yeah, thanks, Mitch, mate. I really enjoyed it. It was always good to chat to the rugby fans. And I'm with you. I've got a lot of uh, confidence. It seems strange. I've always got a confidence heading into a Reds season, but it's usually misplaced this year. Hopefully it's, it's not so. <laughs> looking forward to it. And thanks very much for coming on, mate. Cheers, Mitch.